thanks for coming. So we're gonna be using the mic um, because they're doing audio recording of this, so you'll be able to, to listen um, back if you'd like to listen to it again. Uh, but I'm Tom, and this is my wife Edna, and we are the interim directors of Chi Alpha in Omaha. So Chi Alpha is a ministry on college campuses by the Assemblies of God. And so there's a chapter here in Omaha that's based at UNO, and we're the interim directors of it. And so uh, we've been seeing a ton of healings recently, and so um, we'll be sharing some testimonies of that and sharing a bit uh, from the Bible, I should put from the Bible about healing, and then also have an opportunity for us to, to activate, to pray for each other, for anyone who needs healing. Um, yeah, and then we're at Marsha. Open us in prayer. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's good to see everybody here. Um, it's a privilege to be here, isn't it? To have the opportunity to gather and share God's word, the truth of his word. Father, we just thank you for meeting us here today. Father, we thank you that your word is truth and it's life to us, Father. Lord, we just ask that you send your Holy Spirit today, the paraclete, our teacher, to guide and direct. Father, as I know Tom and Edna have submitted themselves to you today, Father, we submit ourselves to you to hear what your Spirit is saying, the truth of your word, and for it to go deep in us today, Father. We thank you. We ask these things in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we also thought it'd be fun to share a little bit about us in case you want to know. So I'm originally from California, um, went to school there and everything. Then I moved to Latvia for two years, which is a small country in northeastern Europe, then to Texas, and then here. And uh, I'll share for her. She's originally from Hong Kong, uh, moved to the U.S. to Mississippi, then to California, then to Texas, then back to California where we met, then to Latvia, now as a married couple, then to Texas, and then here. So we've, we've moved around and uh, been doing a lot of college ministry ever since we were in college and, and since then. Um, yeah, so we thought it would be fun to share some testimonies. So, um, yeah, so I guess... Oh, so one of the reasons why we're sitting in a circle is because uh, the, 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 the kingdom of God is about family. Um, there's a reason why God reveals to himself to us as father. Because he's not here, he, he didn't uh, reveal himself to us as a CEO. He's not here to establish like a corporation, some type of other organization. He's here to establish a family. And so... Really, the stuff we're talking about with healing is that we're establishing another part of the kingdom of God, and ultimately what that looks like is family, where people are healthy and whole um, in their spirits, obviously with being saved and knowing Jesus, but also in their bodies um, and their souls as well. And so, um, yeah, so as we, we go, feel free to, to, to ask questions. We'll also have time for questions later on, um, but you know, as you get questions, feel free to ask. We want to have like a like a conversation about it, not just us presenting things. Um, but just to give you kind of a general outline of what we'll be going over. We'll be talking about how what Jesus did wasn't just to purchase our salvations, but also to purchase our, our physical healing. Um, and how, because of that, it's, it's always God's will to heal. Um, we'll also talk about uh, some common questions people have, like pertaining to the book of Job is a common question people have. Also, Paul's thorn. Um, we'll 
talk about that we also heal the sick. It's not just something that Jesus did, but it's something that he made available for us to do. Uh, we'll talk about some practical things, like what do, what do you do if someone doesn't get healed? How do you deal with that? Um, and then some practicals, just you know, how to, to pray for healing and we'll have a chance to, to pray for each other. Um, any, any questions before we get started? They are recording the audio only, not video. Yeah. Any other questions? Uh, the, the camera, they're not keeping the video portion. They're only using the camcorder to keep the audio track. Yeah. So just so you know. Uh. All right. So some testimonies. Actually, Tarek, he's one of our students in Chi Alpha. Awesome guy. Um, this was, I guess, last summer. We were at our house with some students, and we were actually going over prayer. And so, like, IHOP somehow came up, and then um, I shared just kind of briefly, like, oh, yeah, one of my friends got healed of flat feet at IHOP. And then people were like, wait, what? And Tarek was like, I have flat feet. And we're like, oh, well, let's pray for you. And so us and some of our students, we gather around Tarek, lay hands on him, pray for him. And at first, like, there's, like nothing really happened. Um, so he tests it out and things seem to happen. We're like, you know, that's okay. Like, Jesus prayed for a blind person twice in the Gospel of Mark before he's fully healed. Where after the first time, he sees, oh, I see men as trees. And it's like, okay, no, that's not right. Let's pray. The second time, okay, the person can see, right? So if it took Jesus at least two times to before the person was fully healed, you know, the, we should at least be willing to pray twice. So, um... Well, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but just because you pray for someone and you don't see anything happen or like a complete healing right away doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. We can't say Jesus did something wrong and the person wasn't healed after one prayer. So, you know, so we pray for Tarek again. And so we have some students who were like, you know, with their hands on his feet. And then one of the students can even feel like his foot like vibrate or something. And then you can feel that, right? And he gets and starts walking. He's like, whoa, like, this feels really weird. And then, so one of our students is studying nursing. And so she, so, so, so she actually checked Tarek's feet before and after and verified that he didn't have arches before and it had arches. And then Tarek walking around after, it was like learning to walk again, right? And then the next day he's like skateboarding. He's like, yeah, like, it feels weird to skateboard. And so God, God gave him arches. Just kind of cool. Um, and then... About, maybe like a month later, a bunch of us are like ice skating on a Saturday night, just kind of, you know, fun event, a bunch of us are ice skating, and one of the girls is like kind of sitting on the side, and like, oh, how come you're not skating? And so, it turns out that she used to, that she used to teach ice skating, was like an ice skating instructor, so it's like she knows how to skate incredibly, but uh, she broke both of her feet in an accident, like years before, and her feet didn't heal properly, and so it was extremely painful for her to, to skate. She even had like special ice skates made for her, but it's still, you know, they're still very painful. And so she's like a new new Christian. Um, and so she was like, "Oh, we can we can pray for you, right?" And then she's like, "Oh, but like God God uh, doesn't heal bones, does he?" And we're like, "Yeah, he does." Like Tarek just got healed. Like you know, Tarek always Tarek shares his testimony. She's like, "Oh, like that's so cool. Like why would God do that?" And then I responded, "Well, why does God do anything? Because He loves you." And then we pray for her, and then she gets she gets healed. 
right? And I don't know, I just, I just love that testimony because it's not just a physical thing. He's revealing something about his heart for her. That it's not just your body that I care for, it's your heart that I'm expressing my love for you in this. Um, and so she shares later that her foot, because of the way it, it broke, um, her foot had like a bunch of bumps where the bones would like, not like stick out through the skin, but they would like protrude and the skin would, you know, cover it. But basically like, it wasn't like a smooth foot. There were all these bumps in it. And afterwards, like all the bumps were gone. So it got like completely restructured her, her feet, which is crazy. Um, yeah. Um, was it sometimes God heals just without us doing anything? So, um, in November and December, we had a couple of screenings of a movie called Finger of God 2, which just documents like miracles and different things that God's doing all across the world. And so at our first screening, I was at UNO on campus. Uh, there's a visitor, because it's open to the public, there's a visitor who's watching the movie, and uh, this person had jaw pain for the past two days. Um, but at the movie, just watching it, he, get, he got healed, with no one praying for him or anything. And so, you know, sometimes God just does it. Um, and so just, so yeah, there's just, just some, some testimonies um, from the past uh, half year about, and we'll be sharing more as we go to highlight different points. But we just want to share those first just to get you excited to realize that these are things that aren't just for, like, mission trips to other countries. Because sometimes we have these grids that it's like, oh, it's really easy there, but how come it doesn't happen here? Um, but it happens here. It's happening on our campuses, in our homes, in our churches. I mean, there's tons of testimonies um, from good news as we've been pushing in for more of God that we've been seeing here as well. And so... <clears throat> Yeah, so we just shared a handful of testimonies. We really want you to have the expectation that this is supposed to be normal. Like what Pastor Chris said about the kingdom of God, when signs and wonders come, when the supernatural come, it's what's normal for God. It's just, we don't see it, so we think it's weird. So it's like both of us individually, we've witnessed hundreds of healings. So add together like over a thousand. So to us, it's not rare, it's not special, like you don't need to say the right words, you don't need to have read your Bible that morning, you don't need to have been anointed with oil, or whatever, like some people would teach. It's just about your relationship with God, and it's not about how hard I worked for, like, God to flow through me, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, we'll, talk. yeah we'll be talking about that more. Um, so, in terms of digging into this a bit, so we have some like Bible understanding of it. First I want to talk about um, that Jesus purchased our physical healing as well, not just the salvation of our spirits. And so uh, I think Pastor Raphael mentioned this not too long ago, but he mentioned that uh, the word that we translate in the Bible to save, the Greek word is typically the word sozo, which you might know from like sozo coffee. Yeah, that's Terry's got Terry, here's the Perfect. Uh, it's got this sozo coffee out here. But that Greek word sozo that we translate into saved, it actually means more than saved. A lot of times, you know, in the Greek, there's, there's more nuances to the meaning than we, than we can translate directly in English. But the Greek word sozo actually means more fully saved, healed, and uh, delivered. Meaning salvation in your spirit. I always said we're saved. Praise Jesus. 
but also that we're healed in our bodies and that we are free from torment from in our in our souls. And so when Jesus came to save, it wasn't just our spirits. It actually includes our physical bodies as well. So Jesus came to do a more complete work. Um, we see this a ton in other parts of the Bible, of course, as well. So in Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, but He was pierced for, for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. So it's not just that He was pierced for our transgressions, for our sins, are, um, but he was also, it's also by His wounds we are healed. Um, this is also referenced in the New Testament in Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. It says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, Jesus, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. So, again, it's not just our sin, like spiritual things that Jesus paid for. It was also for physical healing. Uh, another Bible verse, Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3. It says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. So again, you see this that it includes both um, the forgiveness of sins and the healing of your diseases. So, if Jesus came to bring more than just the salvation of our spirits, um, then really that means that the good news, the gospel, is more than just that we get saved and go to heaven. It's that we actually get to experience a, a complete work of restoration that Jesus purchased. And so we see this in Romans 15, verse 9, where Paul writes, They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ. So sometimes we think of the good news of Christ, the gospel of Christ, as being, you know, you can be forgiven, go to heaven. And that is a huge part of it. We're obviously saying, not saying that that's not important. It is important. But, God, but what Paul is saying is that for him to have fully presented the gospel includes miracles, signs, and wonders. And so if we're not including miracles, signs, and wonders and physical healing being a part of that, we're not fully expressing and conveying the gospel of Jesus. Um, so there's this passage that I really like uh, from Matthew. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 9. We're actually going to read this section. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 1. Reading from the New Living Translation. This is that first section where it says, Jesus healed a paralyzed man. So let's read it for us. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your heart? Is it easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or stand up and walk? 
So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen, and they praised God for sending a man with such great authority. So what Jesus is saying, I guess in verse 5, where he says, Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven? Or stand up and walk, is that Jesus is actually equating or bringing those two together. Saying that your sins are forgiven and take up your mat and walk are kind of interchangeable. So when he says your sins are forgiven, he's basically saying like, be healed, get up, take up your mat. Or when he says take up your mat and walk, it's not just a physical thing, but it's a spiritual thing as well, that your sins are forgiven. And so if these two things are actually, you know, spoken by Jesus in the same breath, then a lot of the things that we understand, that we just get in terms of the forgiveness of sins, we can actually apply um, to physical healing as well. So what I mean by that is, for example, we would never think of God withholding forgiveness to someone who needs it. Like if someone, you know, if a brother or sister comes up to you and is like, oh, you know, yesterday I, I sinned and I was praying to God and asking for forgiveness, and I, I felt God tell me that he, that he like, that he uh, really uh, uh, is, is, is not in the mood to forgive me, or like doesn't want to forgive me. Like, how would you respond to that if a brother or sister What's came up God to you? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't think that was, was God. Because we get it that God would not withhold the forgiveness of sin, forgiveness to someone who needs it. Right? Um, and it's, it's, because Jesus, it's because God already purchased it, right? Jesus purchased it on the cross 2,000 years ago. He already chose to forgive. He can't unpurchase it. Mm-hmm. And so it's freely available. So we, we get that. But somehow, we don't apply that to healing. We think, oh, like, you have this sickness? Sorry, you like really should have been at the conference last week where this, there was this anointing for healing. I guess you missed your chance. Hopefully at the next, you know... Supernatural conference we have, you'll get healed. We, 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 but the reality is that God would not withhold physical healing to someone who needs it any more than he would withhold the forgiveness of sins. Because Jesus equates the two of them from that passage in Matthew. Um, and so because of that, it's God's will to be healed 100% of the time, just like it's always his will, will for people to be saved. Um, and just just some verses about you know God's will for people to be saved. Like in Second Peter chapter three verse nine, says that the Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He's being patient for your sake. He does He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So God wants everyone to repent. In First Timothy chapter two verses three and four. <clears throat> Uh, Paul writes that praying for those in authority is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. So we understand that um, it's, it's God's will for everyone to be saved. Like it says that in those verses. It doesn't necessarily mean that everyone actually gets saved, because obviously we have our choice in the matter. But, um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it's God's will for everyone to be saved. And so when you pray for someone to be healed, you can have the confidence that it is God's will for that person to be healed. 
doesn't mean we see every single person get healed. We don't see every person get saved. But we are walking fully in the will of God and with confidence. That we not be like, God, is it, if it's your will, please, please heal this person. Do you pray, God, if it's your will, please save this person? Yeah. And so, yeah, so this, this understanding that, like, you know, it's great that we get it with salvation. And let's get it with healing. It's, it's, it's the same thing. Jesus came for both of those. Um, yeah, so healing is always the will of God. I mean, you can, just, there are many other passages that reflect this. So, for example, one of the things we know is that Jesus and God are in perfect agreement. Of course, right? Because Jesus is God. So Jesus and the Father are in perfect agreement. You can't have Jesus doing one thing if it's not the will of the Father. Because Jesus only did what the Father does. So Jesus even says that. So like, um, in John chapter 10, verses 37, and... What is I guess I have a bunch of different verses here. Okay. So there's a bunch in chapter 10. So in verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. In verse 32, Jesus said to them, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. For, for, for which of these do you stone me? John 10, verse 37. Do not believe in me unless I do what my Father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe in the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. And I have a bunch of verses here, I'm not going to read all of them because it's too many. But basically, Jesus only did what the Father did, they're in perfect agreement. And so if you want to know the will of God, like the will of the Father, look to see what Jesus did. Because right? Jesus is the perfect representation of the will of God. Well, he's God. <laughs> so, um, and so... Because of that, we can look to see what Jesus did and understand it's, it's the will of God. So, in the Gospels, there's a ton of references to the fact that Jesus healed all. So, I'm going to read a bunch of them. In Matthew 4, verses 23 and 24, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. So it wasn't like, you know, there's an anointing right now for people's feet. <laughs> oh, sorry, you've got this hand injury? It's, it's just not the will of God right now. Like, maybe tomorrow. No, Jesus healed all. So whatever their sickness or disease. Um, in Matthew eight sixteen, it says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. Jesus. And he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. So again, Jesus healed all. Matthew 9.35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Not some diseases and sicknesses. It's not like, oh, sorry, that one's too hard. No, it is, it is every disease and sickness. Matthew 12.15, um, aware of this plot to kill Jesus, Jesus withdrew from that place. 
Many followed him, and he healed all their sick. Matthew 14, 14, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Matthew 14, 35-36, People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Matthew 15.30, a vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. Mark 3.10, he had healed many people that day, so all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. Uh, Mark 6.55-56, and they ran throughout the whole area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. Luke 4.40, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. So with that, on each one, he laid his hands on each one, and they all got healed. Luke 6.19, everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and he healed everyone. Luke 7.21, at that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. Luke 9.11, he welcomed the crowds and taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. Uh, Acts 10.38 God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went about around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So I read a lot of verses and hopefully you get the idea that Jesus healed all. Again, it wasn't like, sorry, there's no anointing for that particular sickness right now. You're just going to have to wait till the next conference. He healed all. And this demonstrates the perfect will of the Father. It can't be the will of the Father for someone to have sickness if Jesus is healing that sickness. Because they wouldn't be in agreement. Right? Um, and so we can't believe that sickness is from God if, if Jesus heals all. Sometimes we have this, these ideas uh, kind of comfort us in sickness. We're thinking like, oh, God gave me this sickness to teach me to rest or to teach me perseverance or something like that. But that's not the case. God can take whatever hand you're dealt and bring good out of it. So in your sickness, he can still bring about good, but it doesn't mean that the sickness was from him. Otherwise, why would you pray for healing? Yeah, otherwise, why would you pray for healing? You can't pray against God's will, right? Um, or there's a good analogy with firefighters. Because it seems like every fire I've seen, there's been firefighters. So, you know, it must be that it's the firefighters who are causing the fires. See how like ridiculous that is, but that's how we think of it with God. We see God in the midst of sickness, not because He's causing the sickness, but because He's trying to put it out. Um, and we see very clearly what the job uh, are like. Um, in John ten ten, we know that the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, to bring life and life to the fullest. And so, um, yeah, so when we think about these terrible things that are happening to people, it's not, I mean, just from that job, like, you know, these job titles, you understand, like, then we came to steal, kill, and destroy. So it's like, hmm, that thing seems to be causing death and 
you know, terrible sickness and stuff like that. I wonder which one that sounds more like. I see God is good 100% of the time. Satan is bad 100% of the time. Cancer is bad. Hmm. I wonder where that comes from. Um, and so, yeah, so all this is just to say that when we, we pray for people to be healed, that it's in, it's in alignment with God. We don't have to ask that God, like, is it your will to heal this person? It is. Or do we ask, like, God, is it your will that this person gets saved? Is it your will that I share the gospel with this person? Like, we, we, we get it with that. And just like we get it with that, we can get it with healing. Um, any questions so far? That's a, that's a, that's a lot. What about, like, uh, Yeah, so the question was, can we talk about more of our experiences of how God's, God heals, in particular, um, other times when it's a process and the other times when it's instant? Um, we'll definitely talk about this more a little bit later when we talk about some reasons why we don't see people healed immediately. Um, but, yeah, sometimes it is a process. So, uh, in the summer, we had some international students that we were bringing to church, and one of the students... Uh, injured her like shoulder or upper back kind of area from uh, roller skating when she fell. Um, and so, I guess it's all skating healings. <laughs> but anyways, uh, but so, yeah, so this announcement, she hurt her shoulder. Right? So she did that church and after service, they're like, oh, like, can we pray for you? And I think we prayed for her yeah, seven times before the pain was completely gone. And I think even after the first time, there was, like, no difference. And so it could have been easy to be like, oh, I, I guess it's not, it's not your time or something, you know? And also, this, this person's not a Christian either. So it's easy to be like, oh, maybe... He doesn't like you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe not safe, but doesn't like you, doesn't want to heal you something. It's like, you know, it's, it, we could come up with these things, but it's like, no, we're prayer again. And then we slowly saw it go down, go down, go down, go down. And after the seventh prayer, it was completely healed. And so there are times that it takes some perseverance from us. And we'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Or like Tarek's testimony, we, we prayed for him twice. Um, yeah, and then there's other times when it is instant. And then it's like, great, that was, that was easy. <laughs> so, Any other questions? Okay, so some common um, things that people uh, think about when they think about healing... Um, some common questions you have. One it pertains to the book of Job, and the other one is Paul's thorn. And so we want to talk about these a little bit. And so, um, so I guess I guess a couple points. One thing with the book of Job is um, we talked about how Jesus is uh, Jesus is like perfect theology, if you will. That if you want to know the character of God, the perfect will of God, you look at Jesus, right? And so we know that Jesus healed all, um, and that must be the complete, perfect will of the Father. And so, uh, what is going on with Job, right? Because that, that, that doesn't seem to mesh if you think about what is going on there. But let's think about what the purpose was of the book of Job, and also understanding that it took place back in the time of, like, the patriarchs. So if you actually put things in chronological order, Job would occur at the time of, like, Genesis stuff, not time of, like, kings and stuff like that. So think, like, it's actually way back. 
I'm kind of off order. Um, so if you think about the purpose of the book of Job, well, there's, there's some interesting things. One thing is that it's actually the first time that the name Satan is used. Okay, so does anyone know what Satan means? Close to deceiver. The accuser. Okay. So we have the accuser um, who's accusing Job you know, before God is saying, like, oh, well, he's, he only worships you because you blessed him, you know? And God's like, no. <laughs> I mean, if you take away all the stuff that he has, he's still going to worship me. Um, and so then Job, you know, did lose his stuff and all sorts of things. Um, you know, bad things happened to him. Um, that was Satan doing these things. Um, but if you think about it, the ultimate idea is that we have Job, who is this person that is that is righteous before God, right? It's not that Job never sinned, he but he presented sacrifices and stuff like that on a regular basis to uh, make sure that he was right with God, right? So it actually describes in the Bible, and even God in referring to Job calls him righteous. So we have someone who is righteous, who suffers to silence the accusations of Satan, right? So. Can you think of anyone else who was righteous or blameless or innocent who suffered to silence the accuser? Jesus. So Job was actually, in some sense, like a like a prototype for Jesus. Because a lot of the you know scholars at the time, like then the teachers of religious law and Pharisees, they were expecting like the Messiah to be this like uh this king who's going to triumph over Rome and he's going to come in kind of like that, not a Messiah who would actually be, who would give his life and be crucified, would suffer um, as an innocent person to silence once and for all Satan and his accusations. And so, um, so it's, it's different for us being post-Jesus because in the New Covenant, we do have that perfect sacrifice, Jesus, who has forever silenced the accuser. And so, for us to be like, oh, I need to suffer like that, is basically saying that what Jesus did wasn't good enough. So, it might have happened to Job, and in his time, and I'm so thankful that we're in the new covenant, so I don't have to worry about it happening to me. Right? Because Jesus paid that price once and for all to silence the accuser. And so, um, yeah, and I think another thing that's really enlightening about the book of Job is that, at least in the Gospels, when Jesus is crucified, I mean, we see some of, like, of that, like, the, that pain and that like, turmoil and stuff that Jesus experienced, but it doesn't go into much detail about it, right? So if you want to know some of what Jesus experienced, read the book of Job. Because some of that heartache and that, like, God, you know, where are you? All that stuff. Like, you see that in Job, and Jesus experienced experience that. So there are incredible blessings and revelations from the book of Job. Of course, it's the Bible, obviously. Are there any questions? Thank you. Okay, so then Paul Thorne. Okay, so this is another common thing. So the, the, basically, the, the passage in question comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is, these are verses 7 through 10. I'll just read them for us. So Paul writes, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may be may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insult, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay, so I guess the, with the confusion with this is sometimes people will read this and they think like, well, is, is, does Paul's storm refer to, to sickness? Because if it does, then Paul asked God to, to take away the sickness and God basically said no. Yeah, and Paul also healed people who were sick. But, um, so so let's, let's actually look into what Paul's storm might, might mean. Okay? And basically, it's going to be that it's not sickness. Because <laughs> um, we know Jesus healed all. That's the will of, of God. Um, so first of all, is that if you read uh, Bible commentaries, uh, theologians agree that no one is certain what it, it means. Um, and so if, you, if you're... If it's not perfectly clear from the passage what it means, what do you do? Well, you look at other parts of the Bible to see where other references to thorns, you know, thorn in the flesh comes from, thorn in my side, to get some biblical you know, context. Because obviously also Paul is a fair, former Pharisee. He would know the scriptures like inside and out. So it, he could very well be referring to, to things from that. Now the thing is to look at the context of this passage on the read you know, four verses, like what else is going on there, things like that. And so, um, so let's look at some other references to, like, to thorns in the Bible. So, the first one comes from Numbers, um, well, I guess it's not the very first, I mean, first would be like in Genesis when the land is cursed and stuff like that, but anyways, but I mean, the one that refer to, like, Thorns in your side, things like that, right? Thorns in your flesh, which is what Paul is writing here. So, the first one like that is Numbers 33, verse 55. It says, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you will live. So this is God talking to uh, the Israelites in terms of like going into the promised land. You need to Make sure that you um, that you drive out everyone who currently lives there, because if they stick around, they're going to be thorns in your sides, and they're going to cause problems. Another reference is Joshua twenty-three verse thirteen. Uh, I'll read it. Then know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive them out of your land. Instead, they will be a snare and a trap to you, a whip for your backs, and thorny brambles in your eyes. And you will vanish from this good land the Lord your God has given you. So this is also referring to the same thing of driving out the previous inhabitants, but it's talking about how um, if you don't, they will be like, in this translation, thorny brambles in your eyes. So thorns in your flesh. In this case, in your eye, which sounds way worse than in your side, but still a thorn in the flesh. Uh, Judges 2.3 So now I declare that I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. They will be thorns in your sides. And their gods will be a constant temptation to you. So again, it's the people, if you don't drive them out, they're going to be like thorns in your sides. Ezekiel 2.6 Son of man, do not fear them or their words. Don't be afraid, even though their threats surround you like nettles and briars and stinging scorpions. Do, do not be dismayed by their dark scowls, even though they are rebels. So, in this case, it's just, uh, talking about 
uh, with the prophet Ezekiel, people who are in opposition to him, um, and how their threats are like nettles and briars and stinging scorpions. So like sharp, pokey things. <laughs> um, Ezekiel 28-24 again. Um, no longer will, it, will Israel's scornful neighbors prick and tear at her like briars and thorns. For then they will know that I am the sovereign Lord. So this is one of the promises, basically, like, you know, that Israel's neighbors, they no longer will be, will they prick and tear like briars and thorns. So it's actually these people who are in opposition to the people of God that are like thorns. One more, Micah 7, verse 4. Even the best of them, referring to evil people, uh, even the best of them is like a briar. The most honest is as dangerous as a hedge of thorns. But your judgment day is coming swiftly now. Your time of punishment is here, a time of confusion. So again, it's referring to, in this case, evil people who are as dangerous as a hedge of thorns. And so what we see from the greater context of Scripture is that thorns are constantly referred to as actually people who oppose you or who persecute you. Um, so it could very well be that what Paul is referencing in this is our people. So we've looked at the rest of Scripture. We can also look at the context immediately around the passage in 2 Corinthians. And so Paul, again, makes frequent references to persecution or to opposition. And so just in the previous chapter, in chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. Um, I'll read this. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. And so, um, so is that. So another one from. Chapter 11, verses 32 and 33. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas had the city of the of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. And then, again from the passage we were looking at in chapter 12, I said, Paul concludes out by saying, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And so a lot of the context around this is actually referring to, to opposition and people who are after Paul or these like false apostles and things like that. And so looking at you know scripture more as a whole, um, I think that when Paul is referring to the throne in his side that God doesn't remove, it actually refers to people, because Jesus does promise persecution, but he doesn't promise sickness. So that is consistent with the rest of scripture. And so I, I don't think Paul's thorn in this refers to sickness. Uh, it would also be, as we've seen, inconsistent with the fact that Jesus healed all. But if his people, well, God has places in this world, he's not going to necessarily just remove people. So... Um, any any questions? It's like a Bible study. It's like, it's like reading verse after verse. Yeah. I didn't have a question. I just want to say thank you for clearing that up. I mean, I've been a Christian for 35, 36 years. That is the best I've ever heard of someone. Thank you. My question is... Uh, 
the like attack on persecution and keep the persecution all the time by people. What do you, because I am a child of God, but how do you approach this person and or these um, things with the right words or actions? I mean, I'm Many times I've removed myself from situations, but I've never really just faced this person and say, what my mom used to say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, I rebuke these words, and you know, how do you do that without getting into trouble on the job? Or, yeah, um, it's a pretty tough thing to know. The hardest part on that is to remember that it's the spirit behind the person that we fight, not against flesh and blood. Uh, so I would say prayer, and then just that God would change your heart, and that you wouldn't actually have to go to him and say, rebuke that person, whatever. Because it's still just the person. It's the spirit behind. But from experience, I'm not saying I have the right 100% time, but I have a co-worker, you know, that... You know, love your enemy, you know, that kind of thing. And so there's times the Lord is just, we fight not against flesh and blood, but, you know, but it's hard when you're in the, the fight to not see the person and think, oh, they're, they're trying me up the wall, whatever. But it's a spirit behind. Yeah. So that's where we go to war for in the quiet time. On our knees for God. Sorry. Just because I've been through a lot of it lately, and, um, I feel like I've my spirit has is not getting deeper. I'm like stopped, and I'm kind of like I'm going there to find more to release that uh, wall for me to um, be joyful in the spirit, and I'm, that's why I'm here in this class. Um, maybe I'll make a comment to that and ask your question. Um, I think one of the things that anytime we have to confront someone is that we need to be in a position where we've taken to the Lord so that the reason why we're bringing something up to someone um, isn't for our benefit, but for their benefit. Because sometimes when something bothers me, like I want to talk to them about it because I want them to stop bothering me. So it's about me, it's not about them. And so to be able to get in a place where I position myself where it's like, even if they continue to do this, like, I'm good. And I'm bringing this up actually to benefit them. Um, and in the Bible, there's all sorts of other uh, texts about things to do. So for example, like, to talk to someone about it, if they don't respond, you bring like another, your brother or sister, confront them about it, and things like that. And so, um, so that's important because it means that when you bring someone to talk to them about it, you're telling someone who's being part of the solution. You're not just gossiping and telling people. And so, like, sometimes we do need to talk to people to get advice about this situation we're dealing with, but the people should be part of the solution. Otherwise, it's, it's gossip. Um, just some, yeah. Some. Thank you. Uh, if we relate uh, uh, the phone uh, to people, and, and the Bible is talking to the children of Israel to drive them out. So how do you drive them out? 
the question was, um, let me see if I understand this story. So, at least some of the text God is referring to, the, is telling the Israelites to drive out the people from the promised land. Yeah. And then the question is, how do we do that? Um, and did Paul ever get rid of his thorn? Yeah. Um, I guess, like, our brother mentioned, like, we're not driving people out. We're driving darkness out. Yeah. We're driving darkness out of people. The best way, uh, obviously, would be like if people get saved, they encounter Jesus, things like that. Um, and recognizing that the problem isn't the person, the problem is that there's 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 darkness and and the enemy. And so, um, and anytime there's darkness, well, thankfully God's given us the solution, which is light, and that we are light of the world. Like Jesus is the light of the world, we also said that we are light of the world. And so, where there's darkness, it's only dark because we're not there turning our lights on. Um, doesn't mean it's easy, right? Because you deal with people or relationships, like it's real life, it gets messy, it's tough. Um, but definitely being a part of a community that can support you, you know, being part of a small group, a spiritual family, things like that. Um, you know, talking to people who can be part of the solution, who can help guide you. You know, those, those are all resources that God's given us. Um, we'll just get one more question and we should probably get back to what we're talking about with the physical field. I guess both of you. It's okay, yeah. We're together. I don't know you, but we're together. Okay, no, I just wanted to ask, one of the thoughts that came to my mind right from the very beginning of this uh, is about our personal responsibility. For example, that thorn in the flesh, though it may not be a sickness, can result in sickness if we harbor unforgiveness mm -hmm. yeah, because we know okay so yeah like how much of it is you know our responsibility whether it's diet or you know yeah. the, that sort of thing yeah. we'll talk about we talk about, so we're talking about well, what do you do if people don't get healed like immediately like unforgiveness might be a thing would it be appropriate to associate the thorn in the flesh with um the people that are persecuting you, why Paul always had that thorn in the flesh is that we are always going to have those people persecuting. We're not to get rid of them, but to be a light to them and, um, and, and, and not to drive them out, but to bring them in. Yeah, I, I think some, sometimes the people that we're supposed to reach are the people who are persecuting us. And I think there are actually times where it is appropriate to distance yourself from those people. Yeah. So. Great. Can I just add one more thing? Yeah, sure. I, I think uh, what uh, the brother over here hit on, what you hit on, is that part of being the light is our purpose, and the plan is to 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 go into these dark places, whether it's on the job, whether it's you know family members, and to to be able to 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 work the plan of God through our lives. And, and that is that we are the salt and the light, and that we're going to have people uh, that we deal with, the thorns that we deal with, uh, that are part of the plan that God God can use us to pray for them, to even bring them to Him, to to bring them to want to know God more. And so it is it is a purpose, it's a reason. So let's continue here, and let's look at the fact that it's not just Jesus who, who heals the sick, that we also heal the sick. And so, um, let's 
look at some more Bible verses. So, in Matthew 10, 10 verse 1, Jesus called his 12 uh, disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. So it wasn't just Jesus. Um, later on in that chapter, Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8, As you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have that perceived, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And so, it's not just Jesus doing it, he's actually equipping and empowering his followers um, to do it. Mark 16, verses 17 and 18, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Uh, in Acts 5, we, 5, verse 16, we see that the apostles also healed all. It wasn't Jesus that healed all. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Um, in Ephesians 1, sorry, in verse 17, we see that we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So I also pray that you will understand the, the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. So we have that same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. And it's that same mighty power, Holy Spirit, that, that heals. It's not like, oh, we don't have what it takes. If only we had the Holy Spirit. Oh, wait, we do. All right. Um, and not just are we going to be doing these healing things that Jesus did. Jesus actually said we would do even greater things than he did. So in John 14, verse 12, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. And when Jesus, in this passage, when Jesus talked about even greater works, the works refers to in the context of miracles, signs, and wonders. And so... Uh, it is part of our inheritance. Um. Yeah, so as Tom mentioned, we have the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's up to us to access it and up to us to spread it out and shine as a light. So one thing that I find is helpful to increase my faith and increase my boldness in stepping out is to associate with people who walk in that. Like, we know someone in our life that, like frequently raise people from the dead. Personally, I've never done it, but I want to hear his story. I want to hear his testimonies, and I want to have what he has, and even more, because greater works we can do. All right. So yeah, this is also for us, basically. So we can pray for people to be healed. Not just pray for people, we can also heal the sick. Because when Jesus, Jesus didn't say... Pray for the sick to be healed. Pray for the lepers to be cleansed. He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, so forth. I'm not saying don't pray, obviously, pray and stuff. But there's times when, I mean, a lot of times with Jesus, he wasn't, he didn't pray for people to be healed, he just commanded the healing. It's like Lazarus come out, you know, things like that. He also prayed that God, you know, thank you that. You can do this to show everyone, blah, blah, blah. But it's also like, that has come out. And so, a lot of people, when we pray for them, it's like, okay, they grow out in Jesus' name. Um, that's, I, so, I didn't share. Basically, like, there's been several times where we had people who had, like, back issues. And it's actually because, uh, 
they have one leg shorter than the other. And so we command their shorter leg to grow out, and then it would, and then it's fine. Yeah, and so, you know, there's, there's times where you pray, that's totally fine, and it's biblical. And then there's other times when we're supposed to use the authority that, uh, that Jesus has given us to command things uh, to happen. Alright, so now let's look at what do we do if someone isn't healed. So you pray for someone, there's no obvious change. Like, how do you how do you deal with that? Because not everyone we pray for is healed yet. yet. <laughs> We're getting there. And so, um, what do we do? So the first thing is, um, which is almost like one of the main things you can take away from this, is to don't, as- don't assume that someone is doing something wrong. Um, we're not going to play like a blame game or a shame game and be like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's always God's will to heal. So if you're not getting healed, there must be something wrong with you. Like, we're, we, don't, we don't do that. Uh, if we start accusing people, we start partnering with the accuser, not with, not with the father. And so, yeah, we don't play that game. We don't, you don't just assume, you know, someone's wrong. And like we talked about earlier, there's plenty of reasons why... Um, he might not see it happen immediately. Uh, one is that, well, I mentioned Jesus had to pray for a blind person twice in Mark chapter 8. Um, so at the first prayer, the person saw people like trees. Jesus prayed the second time, and they could see clearly people as people. And so, you know, you can't say that Jesus did something wrong. Be like, oh, this person wasn't healed the first time. Someone's doing something wrong here, you know. Like, who has unconfessed sin? Or, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna get into that. Um, it may just need that they need another touch from God, you know. Maybe it's not the second, maybe it's the third touch, the fourth touch, the fifth touch, you know. And just being like, keep going for it. Every time there's an opportunity to get prayer for healing, go for it. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Because um, shame is such a big issue. You know, it's very easy to be like, oh, I didn't get healed. Like, is there something wrong with me? Does God not love me? You know, like, that's not, that's not how we how we roll. <laughs> Um, and we, we also see this, this idea of like persistence um, with respect to prayer and that includes you know, praying for the sick, healing the sick I think so in Matthew 7 verses 7 and 8 uh, Jesus says keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for keep on seeking and you will find keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks the door will be open and similarly in Luke 11, 8, it says, But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get, get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so Jesus is saying, like, if you knock the first time and nothing happens, it's because you knocked wrong. You have to do this, like, secret code knock. Or you need to <laughs> knock, like, on the back window or something. He's saying, no, just keep knocking until that door opens. And so a lot of times we'll knock once and be like, oh, I guess we're doing something wrong, or it's just not the right time, or the anointing's not here. And God's just saying, like, just keep knocking. If you're not doing anything wrong, just keep knocking. Thank you. Amen. Um, so I think that's a healthy default to go to. Amen. Uh, you don't you start blaming people, you don't start blaming the person, you don't start blaming the prayer workers, the, the worship music that's going on, you know, like, we don't, we don't go there. Um, yeah, so in... Our own experience, for example, like this past year, we've seen over 100 healings with students and stuff. I would say the average times that we prayed would not is not one or two. It's like five. 
And it might get long-winded, and the person might get tired of being prayed for, and they might lose faith, or people who are praying might lose faith. But sometimes healing comes after the fifth or sixth time, and if you don't try, then you just you might miss that that last push. Yeah, another thing is what you celebrate. So if someone feels an improvement, so say maybe their initial level was a 10 and zero is no pain, you know, completely healed, maybe it goes from like a 10 to an 8. Like what we do is we is that we actually celebrate that because that is a supernatural release of the power of God that that person was healed, that 10 to 8. That is, that is someone getting healed. Yeah, we want them to get healed all the way, but... When we see that, we start rejoicing, we start praising God, we go, thank you, God, that the pain is now at an eight, that we're seeing, like, your power at work here, you know, and we thank you, Jesus, that you did a complete work on the cross, and so we pray and we declare that this would be a zero in Jesus' name. And so you start to, you know, you, you use those things to, to build your faith. You know, go, oh, it wasn't a zero, you know, I guess we're doing something wrong or something. I was like, oh, it's because I didn't fast before this or something. Like we don't, yeah. Yeah. I have a question. Maybe this is better later in our uh, presentation. Here, go ahead. Uh, just for everyone to hear. Have you ever encountered a spirit of infirmity? Yeah, we'll talk about spiritual roots as well. But yeah, that's a good question. Um. Another instance where like people aren't pray- aren't healed immediately, um, and no, no one's doing anything wrong, is that when Jesus prayed for the ten lepers, he said, "Go show yourselves to the priests." And as they went, they were healed. So again, it's not like, "Oh, Jesus didn't heal me immediately." I guess like it doesn't work or something. Even Jesus with these lepers, they were healed as they went. And so there's times when I pray for someone and nothing happens immediately, but then they are healed later. Um, I had a friend, uh, this was when I was in, in grad school in San Diego, I was part of Chi Alpha there, that's where I started really growing in these things, um, where she uh, started stepping out in boldness to pray for people for healing, and it was something like six months where like, she prayed for everyone she saw who needed healing, and saw like nothing happen, and then she's like really down, disappointed, but she's still like persistent, because she's holding on to the truth, right, from scripture that we see that God it's always your will and it's for me and you know I'm gonna keep going and then she meets this woman at Starbucks oh she's at Starbucks and she like gets a word of knowledge for some woman about her ear and so she goes talks to her and turns out that she's deaf in that ear and so she prays for her and like nothing happens <laughs> but she gives her her contact info like oh here, here's the email let me know if anything happens later and so she hears back. And so what happened was that that night, the woman was sleeping, because the woman usually sleeps with music on. And so, you know, basically, you know, based on which ear she's sleeping on, she can hear or can't hear the music. And so basically she woke up and she realized that she could hear completely out of her previously deaf ear. And then followed up with this person and let my friend know, and that was like super encouraging. And for all of us, it's like, what? Your first healing is like a deaf person? <laughs> you know? For mine, it's like, oh, I have a little bit of pain, and oh, the pain seems to have gone down. You know what I mean? It's like, that's amazing, but um, yeah, so sometimes it's later as, as they go. So, yeah, don't be discouraged if you don't see anything happen immediately, because if you pray, something happens, whether or not we, we see it. Um, so another thing to um, consider is, is faith. 
So, faith is, is actually a really strange thing, because there's times when we've seen people get healed where there was, like, no faith, or, like, anti-faith. And so, one example is, like, um, oh, yeah, even people who were, like, more Christian, but who prayed in Jesus' name. You know, it's like, um, or were prayed over, right? Where there's a person praying, a person receiving. One example is uh, from the movie Finger of God, the first one, not the second one that we screened recently, the first one. So the filmmaker, Darren Wilson, he started off this because he was very skeptical of uh, the supernatural and stuff. So he's Christian, but like those, the, the Pentecostal stuff, like, you know, he wasn't sure about. So he started investigating it as a filmmaker. And so he's there and he's like filming this person who, um, walks in the supernatural and who prays for the sick. And so he's expecting to just, like, film this person praying for this other person. But the guy's like, oh, you come and lay your hands on that. And Jaren's like, wait, what? Like, me? And he totally had, like, no faith. And he, like, talked about it in the film where he's like, he was, like, not expecting anything to happen. And because his background is uh, such that he was taught that miracle signs and wonders don't happen anymore. So for him, it's like, you know... Like, that thing's going to happen. He prays for this person. Basically, it's just like, he says what the person tells him to say. Something really short, you know, be healed in Jesus' name. That's it, or whatever. And the person gets healed. And he's like, what? (laughs) You know? So his faith level was, I don't know if he was even, like, no faith, or it was, like, negative faith. That was, like, not just, you know, ambivalent. It's like, oh, this stuff doesn't happen, you know? Like, but God's still healed. Um... And so there's times when, like, the faith level isn't there, but Jesus, in some sense, provides the miracle to then give access to the realms of faith. And so a good example of that is, like, in the Gospels, there's that father who's like, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Right? Then Jesus then heals his son, in some sense, to give the father access to the faith that Jesus was just talking about. Right? It wasn't like, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus is like, well, let's go over these Bible verses. You know, obviously that's all great things, right? Going over this is building our faith. But in that instance, Jesus was just like, okay, boom, I healed your son. Now do you have faith? You know, like, there's times when God, for his, you know, out of his sovereignty, just does stuff like this. Um, and so, obviously faith is important. And we'll talk more about that. But there's times when there's like, the faith isn't there, but... God still works. And so, um, yeah. So faith is kind of a strange thing. Um, So my first encounter with healing was that uh, I saw a few healings that evening, and then I got healed myself of scoliosis. So I came from a Baptist background, anti-supernatural and all that stuff. So when I saw in that house, it was just like a gathering um, where people were getting healed one by one, I was really freaked out and really scared. I wanted to get out of there. It was a cult. And, like, I was really scared. But something in me was like, you know, like, what if that's really God? What if all of this rejoicing is really God, is not a cult, is not something weird? And I was like, God, I really want to experience it. What can I ask for prayer? And God was like, you're spying. And, like, because I had scoliosis before. And um, when I was being prayed for, I didn't feel a single thing. Like, some people talked about tingling, heat, electricity. I didn't feel anything. And I was like, it probably didn't work for me because, like, I, I have no theology for this. I, I don't know how to receive. But I got healed. My spine got straightened. And, like, I didn't feel anything, but visibly I could see my spine straightened. So 
Yeah, so I had no faith, but I still got yelled, and that's just a story. The Holy Spirit is pestering me, and so I think I have to say this. Um, he brought to my remembrance that when Kenneth Hagen, Hagen or I don't know which one it was, I think it was he, that said uh, he on his knees read out loud the Gospels every day. And I don't know if this is anybody else besides me, because, you know, I don't have time. But <laughs> I think he wants to do that. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And I wouldn't go say anything until you brought up faith. And so uh, I think all of us, whether it's a miracle or you don't know when He's going to heal you, and uh, but not by works, but it's by faith. And He's always said, your faith has made you whole. And so if we can just build up our faith. And I'm going to try to start doing this, because I haven't thought about this for years. And He would let me alone until I said something. Yeah. So, so it's 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 interesting. Like faith is obviously important, and faith is how we access the things that God has freely provided through grace. But yeah, at the same time, it's like, oh, I don't have enough faith, and God's like, well, that's okay. All you need is a mustard seed. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I think one of the best ways to actually build faith is to realize that um, healing happens because of what Jesus did. Because if we put it on us, where it's like, okay, like, this person's only going to get healed if I read my Bible that day, if I fasted leading up to meeting with this person, if I like went through my worship playlist beforehand, then if we if we have ideas like that, then if we're basically approaching it as that the healing happens because of us. But if we approach it from the perspective that this healing happens because Jesus already purchased it. And it's God's will to heal. And when we pray for someone and declare healing in Jesus' name, when we say in Jesus' name, it's not just like a phrase. It literally means also like by Jesus' authority. And so it's not by Tom's authority that someone gets healed. It's by Jesus' authority. And so it's not because of me that someone gets healed it's because of Jesus and so when I understand that it's very easy to have faith because it's not based on me anymore it's based on Jesus like Jesus you purchased this completely and so we take hold of what you've already purchased what you've made available to us and we declare it and release it into this person in Jesus name by your authority we have a I just had a revelation, and maybe you'll be getting not just now, but a month ago. And when the disciples healed all the people, and they came to Jesus, and why was this one not healed by me? And he said, uh, unbelief, this comes out only by prayer and fasting. So that's, you know, that's what I'm trying to work through, you know, the, any unbelief. Because sometimes it'll work, and then sometimes I pray. It's it's about me. But, so I'm going to, what do you think about that? <laughs> Um, so I think it's easy for us to think about like us hindering God's um, work like we're like oh I'm not holy enough I'm not spiritually disciplined enough but 
I think what unlocked for me or finally clicked in my mindset is that God already gave me everything I needed to pray for healing. Like, it's not another course to take, another book to read, another memory verse to to keep in mind and stuff like that. And it's just that it's 100% about what God's done. It's not that he did 99%, I have to muster up that 1%. It's literally he did the 100%. I just have to say yes and take the risk. If nothing happens, it's fine. And just do it. I mean, Jesus did 100% of the work, but at the same time, we partner with him to see what he purchased released on the earth. And so, um, yeah, sometimes that involves, you know, following some of the things that he's given us. So, for example, like, obviously he doesn't want us to pray. You know, we're not saying don't pray for people. Um, and not, you know, we're not saying don't get in the presence. Obviously do those things. But, um, but ultimately, it's all purchased by Jesus. And if he hasn't revealed to you something that you should be doing, then... You're not doing something wrong, right? It's, uh, we, we tend to default to like, oh, I must be doing something wrong. Whereas sometimes it's like, God, am I doing anything wrong? And if I don't get anything, it's like, maybe I am just not doing something, anything wrong and just need to pray again or something. So Something just came to mind. Um, so in the prayer and fasting, it's not the action of prayer and fasting that is like a checklist that because I did that, miracle signs and wonders come. I think what God is saying, prayer and fasting helps us learn to flow with Holy Spirit. And praying for healing, prayer for deliverance and all that, it's about flowing with Holy Spirit. So prayer and fasting is an exercise to help us flow. So if you flow, then it's not about the action of prayer and fasting. Um, um, what helps me is I read it somewhere it's not great faith but faith in a great God so it takes the pressure off of me and it puts my focus on who God is what Jesus is it's like yeah you know so it's the mustard seed it could be even not there but it's just say hey it's God it's God Um, so now to answer a question that we had earlier, which is like, um, you know, what if sickness is uh, is like a spiritual thing, right? So we again, we don't default to there being, oh, there's something wrong with you. But sometimes we ask the Holy Spirit, and then God actually does reveal that the sickness has like spiritual roots. And so um, one example which someone brought up was uh, un un un. Sorry, I stutter sometimes. Uh, unforgiveness. And so we've seen people where, like, they were sick for a long time with whatever thing, and then God brings up that this is like an unforgiveness thing, and once they forgive, then they're like instantly healed. And so there are times when that's related. Um, there can be other things, like for example, we one of our students who prayed for her, where she has like like back pain, has like chronic back pain, and we're like. Um, for like years and years, as long as she can remember. And so, uh, like, and it checks your legs, so one leg was shorter than the other, grow out the leg, and then how's your back? And then it was like better, but it still wasn't 
like 100%. And then, um, so we're praying for it. So like I ask Holy Spirit, like, you know, is there something there? And then you, I get a word of knowledge where like it's something in your family. So I ask her like, oh, does anyone else in your ha- family has, have back pain? Like, oh yeah, like my parents, all my siblings, like everyone, we all have like back pain, right? And it's like, oh, okay. So it's like a generational thing. And so we just pray for that. Just cut it off. Be like, nope, you're under the bloodline of Christ Jesus now. You don't inherit these bad things from your family. Um, and then she was fine. And then since then, it's almost like nine months ago. So she's, she's been good. And so um, from like, you know, daily pain where she would have her friends walk on her back and stuff like that to, to alleviate the pain. And so sometimes there's there's things there, but we don't just again we don't just jump to it. You yes, ask Holy Spirit, right? Another um, thing is like we had a student at our fall retreat. So this was October, where um, she's she's like one of our student leaders. So you know one of our pillars and Kaiafa, one of our student leaders. And so uh, she started getting like really bad back pain. Well, she like came up to me during dinner to ask, and was like, "Hey, can you can you pray for me? My back is really hurt." You know, like. It was just like a minor nuisance. You don't like interrupt someone's dinner, right? But she was like really hurt, and it's like, oh, okay. Like, so we pull her aside and pray for her. So we pray for her first time, and it's like nothing happens. And so then we, okay, Holy Spirit, is there something there? And then you pray again. Um, and then I, I get a word of knowledge where um, it's because, like, since she's a leader, she had that, this expectation that um, because she had a leadership position, that uh, she is more likely to be like attacked by the enemy. And in doing so, she's actually permitting the works of the devil in her life. As opposed to being like, no, like I'm a child of God, so the enemy has no right to interfere with my life, whether I'm a leader or not. Yeah. And so I asked her this, and sure enough, she, she felt like that, that because we're at this retreat, she's a leader, she feels like, oh, should I watch out for the enemies wants to attack her? Um, that she's actually empowering the enemy who has been disempowered by Christ. And so, after she renounced that lie that she agreed with, then she was like instantly healed. Um, so sometimes there are spiritual things. Um, sometimes God is actually highlighting in his goodness that he wants to heal something in someone's heart. Then the physical thing is like um, a manifestation of that. So we were at a Kayapa staff retreat in November in Iowa. And then Edna got a word of knowledge um, that there's a crowd, she actually had a ton of words of knowledge for people in the crowd. But one of them was specifically a woman who has back pain when she tries to pick up her kid. But normally she doesn't have back pain. I was like, dang, <laughs> that's really specific. And then so this woman comes up to us and we're like, I'm, I'm that person. <laughs> um, and then so... Uh, we pray for her, and then God started like to unpack and reveal stuff that God wanted to to bring healing in in her heart. And one of the things was like, we're like, yeah, like like is this pain due to complications from childbirth? And it was. It's like, do you feel guilty that it was your fault? And she did. And then because God was doing that because He wanted to bring healing in that. And you think about that. what a what like a personal tender thing that is, right? Like the birth of your child and be like, somehow I cause a complication that now makes it so I can't bond with my child. It's like, no, it's not your fault, you know? And so it wasn't just a physical healing. Yeah, so with that, it was 
deliverance and the inner healing all in one because she felt really guilty that she was sedated because she had to have a C-section. So she missed like what they tell like new mothers the first 10 hours or whatever. That's the bonding skin to skin time. She missed that. And she carried that guilt all throughout her babies. Now she, the baby is a toddler and every time she picks him up or used to, she had back pain. And that was associated with all that guilt that came from that one event. Yeah, so I guess, you know, we're talking about this healing stuff. Um, Jesus came for the full package, you know, for salvation, healing of our bodies, freedom from torment, you know, heart, inner healing. And so the more you can, and there's tons of classes here at Good News, but the more that you can learn about this stuff and be a part of it, the more you experience the finished work of Christ in all these areas. So it's hard to confine physical healing to just physical healing when Jesus came for the whole package. So just encourage you, like, there's so many opportunities to learn more about it. Um, yeah. Um, so, in terms of next steps, like, if, to, if you want to cultivate healing in your life, one thing is to just start praying for people. Because if you don't pray for anyone, your chances of seeing someone get healed are probably less, <laughs> I would say. Um, I mentioned my friend who prayed for me for like six months. So for me also, like when I was part of Kyle in grad school, corporately we started pursuing healing together. And it was like half a school year where we pray for everyone on campus you see, people on crutches going to I pray for everyone. So no one get healed until about six months. And part of that was God was revealing this stuff to us during that time. And he was doing a lot of stuff in our hearts with our identity where we would do supernatural things out of who we were instead of to create or justify who we were. To do things from your identity instead of for our identity. So there's a lot of things that God was doing to kind of um, in us so that way when we had outbreaks of healings and stuff like that, it would be something that would be a blessing to us. Um, but certainly it takes, you know, sometimes it takes perseverance. you got to keep going for it. Um, and in praying for people, God is also shaping you and teaching you more about it and giving you more revelation. And so, if you pray for someone, you don't see anything happen immediately. There's all those things, right? You know, maybe no one's fault. Maybe you just need to pray again, things like that. But another thing is God is also, like, sharpening you. So every time you have the opportunity, you are growing and healing as well, um, cultivating that. Yeah? What about the correlation of, like, <clears throat> praying for people that, that you can't necessarily... <clears throat> put your hands on, you know, like healing, you know, distant family members or people that you know are sick. Yeah, so you're not able to put your hands on you and pray, but um, have you seen testimonies of that or yeah, any scriptural that that? But over Skype, people have been healed on the phone, and as millennial people, they call, they heal via text message. And so, yeah, there, there are people who are healed remotely. I mean, we even know in the, in the Bible that Paul's handkerchief healed someone. See, Paul wasn't physically there, or Peter's shadow. I mean, um, obviously there's a biblical case for the thing on the hand, which is why we practice that if we can, and if it's appropriate for where the healing needs to happen. Um, but God's not restricted to, to that. Um, or when someone gets healed with no one praying for them. Yeah. I have a testimony, and it, and it does the faith thing too, and not... Person. Okay, so I don't know what happened with my leg. 
to keep it short, it was totally jacked up and swollen. I couldn't even walk on it. But I was trusting God to heal it because he knew it's just, I, I don't know, and I just stood. And everybody was getting angry at me for not going to the doctor, but I just put it before God. It was just in me. It's like, God, you said you're my healer. I'm going to wait on you. And I thank you for the years. I could run and jump in, you know, but it's in your hands. And it went forever. And I stayed off of it. And through the months, different Christians were saying, pick up your bed and fall in and walk and it get worse. It's like, no, no. So it went and went. And I stayed out. I took ibuprofen. And the lady here, one day, she called. And she said, how's it going? I said, oh, man. I told her, she goes, you should go to the doctor. And I said, well, no, I'm trusting could you just pray? She prayed. The next morning, and it was over the phone, the next morning, 98% of the swelling was gone. There was only a little bit right there, and I knew. And so, so I put on worship music, and God just like walked me through it, said, you're going to have to straighten your leg, it's going to hurt, it's real. And, and now walk on, yes. And it took, it was like rehabilitation, I had to get up. But it was overnight, and she didn't have any faith. She said, you know what I mean? And it was over the phone. So that was just awesome, you know. Um, yes, uh, I just wanted to share, like, an experience that I had with a couple of my friends. Uh, there was somebody uh, that is really close to me. She needed to be healed of hypoglycemia and things like that. Um, and uh, she was praying for years and years and having prayer to be healed. Uh, I guess that was actually a different instance. But, <laughs> um, sorry, different story. I got it mixed up. There's another person, <laughs> and um, she was hurt, and uh, she needed somebody specific to pray for her so God could show that person that healing could be done through his name. And so I think that sometimes there's instances where maybe someone might not get healed right away because God needs to show a specific person what he can do. Yeah, so if you want to cultivate healing, one thing is to pray for people. Keep praying for people. Don't be discouraged. Um, Another thing is you don't have to wait for a word of knowledge. If someone... If you can just see, like, oh, someone broke their leg, you know, be like, God, is your word of knowledge, like, is it your will to heal this person? Just pray for them. It's their will. It's God's will. All right, so, um, yeah. Same thing with, like, if you need healing, you don't have to go to church Sunday after Sunday and Sunday and be like, I'm just waiting for that person to have a word of knowledge for whatever I need healing for. Like, if you need healing, just go up to the altar ministers at the end of service and get prayer. Right. Nothing happens immediately, go next week. Go the week after. Like, it's always God's will to heal. So, um, Another thing you can do to cultivate healing is to feed yourself on testimonies. Um, so a lot of these testimonies are great. There's a lot of testimonies in this church. You can look online. Um, a lot of we watch a lot of things from like uh, Bethel Church. They have a lot of amazing testimonies as well. Um, and they just build your faith, and they also create, I think, the faith to see God do it again. Um, what else? Okay, so just then, how to pray for healing? Okay. Um, it, it doesn't take a long time. So basically, the first thing is just interview, find out what the problem is. You're not looking for the whole story. Because sometimes people have like a whole pity party story. 
that almost like sucks the faith out of everyone. You know what I mean? You don't need that. Like, okay, what's wrong? I don't need. I don't even know what happened. You know, the whole story behind it, and you know, if they, if they take twenty minutes to explain, just like you know, ten seconds. You know, what is hurting? Or what's not working? Right? Um, you know, there may be times where yeah, you actually need to do inner healing, and maybe the story needs to come out. But generally, just keep it short, and then. After that, you just pray for them. So you command, you healing, you release healing, you thank Jesus for what he's purchased already, and you just take hold and receive what he's purchased. And so you declare it. So it doesn't need to be long. It's just like, just be that. Or just be like, be healed in Jesus' name. Okay, how is it? Okay? You have them then test it out. So if it's something that, you know, that they can move to test, other things that you need to go to the doctor to test, but they can test it immediately, have them test it, and have them gauge if it's any better, right? If it's changed, is it the same? Is it better? Is it worse? Because sometimes if it's like a spiritual thing with a demon, um, it might get worse or it might move. But, um, but yeah, so you know, and then it's like, oh yeah, it's a little bit better. And then try to have them read it. So like, oh, if it started out a 10 and a zero is no pain, where's that now? Oh, it's a five. That's so great. Like, can you pray again? Like, God is working, you know? And then pray. Even if nothing happens, just keep praying. Um, and then just, you know, keep under that's necessary. So that's basically it. Yeah, I think in the dec- declaring part, one thing that really helps me is that I look at the spiritual reality. Like, this person is seated in the heavenly realms. This person is not sick in heaven. What we're doing is, by faith, pulling that reality down to earth. So that's something that helps me. Okay, so we're supposed to end now, because we only have 30 minutes for lunch. Um, but and then I can stay for a little bit uh, to pray for anyone who needs healing. Um, and of course, you're welcome to stay. If you want to pray for people, but we do want to end so you can get to lunch and you get to quarter wrestle session at one. And then we have someone that's gonna pray to close us out. Thank you very much for presenting. Can we show our appreciation?